Hello, and welcome to the Pod Pod Coldcast, where we talk about life, love, learning, and libido, and share our journey through polyamory and kink. I'm Hannah. I'm Chastin. I'm Brian. <laughs> you're not Brian, you're Eric. I'm Eric. That's your good pal Max here. This is a podcast where we talk about love and relationships, sex and kink, and polyam issues and whatever else comes up. While we talk about those things, we'll probably also touch on stuff like abuse and violence and mental health challenges. These can be difficult topics, so keep that in mind moving ahead. Welcome everybody to our Pod Pod. Ooh, a fancy noise at our Pod Pod Cast launch day QA. I didn't really know we were starting. I was just doing something silly. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We have been taking some questions from people who are excited about the podcast, and we appreciate you, and also from our Patreon supporters, and we appreciate them especially. Here we have a question, and we'll start off with a kink question, and then we've got two polyamory questions. First question from Anonymous. How do you identify in your kink life? Are you looking at me now? I am looking at you. Okay. Well, I don't really have- Who are you? Oh, sorry. I'm Eric. (laughs) I'm Chastin. I'm Hannah. (laughs) Hi. It's Max. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Eric. Um, How do you identify in your kink life? I don't really have much of a kink life. Well, what do you have? Uh, Well, what I was going to say- stink life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I live down in the city. It's it's gross. Oh. Oh. So anyway, about your kink life. (laughs) Um, I don't feel much of a need to take part in kink. So do you consider yourself kink adjacent? In in a way. Sure. That'll work. In that you accept that your partners are kinky and you will be around kinky things, but you don't feel the need to participate yourself? Yeah. Thanks for answering. You're welcome. (laughs) I know I'm not supposed to answer for you, but you know, sometimes I can't help myself. Chastin. Hey. You do you. Oh, I I do me all the time. Uh, I identify as a uh, sadistic disciplinarian who enjoys playing with primarily female identifying individuals. I identify absolutely as a top, but that does not mean that I don't bottom for things. And we'll make sure that we put some descriptions of what these terms mean, if you don't, in case this is new to you, in our show notes for this little mini episode. I also have some baby girl or little tendencies I kind of like, I sort of like the occasional daddy dom experience from people. I like feeling taken care of. I like stuffed animals. I have a glitter and shiny things and I'm very girly. I'm sort of like this cupcake of a badass bitch. I'm a badass cupcake bitch. (laughs) So that's how I identify. I like hurting people a whole lot emotionally and physically with consent. But I also afterwards have to take care of myself by, you know, cuddling my stuffed animals and, and listening to lullabies Mm -hmm. so that's me hannah how do you identify in your kink life i identify as a bottom there might be other more descriptive ways to but that's that's how i identify for um impacty things Mm -hmm. and sexy things yeah okay awesome okay kink i just hey kink how do you (laughs) how do you max I don't use kinky as an identifier. I often say kink adjacent, even yeah. though I do top for certain things like impact and rough body play and sometimes knife stuff. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just a thing I do, not an identification. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's for me, it's a part of my identity, but it's not the whole of my identity. I can live without kinky things, but I find myself more enriched in life if I do have the opportunity to make somebody cry. You know, it's that thing, <laughs> um, 
It's the it's the levels thing where you think you're kinky because you you like to do a little butt smacking or whatever. Yeah. And then you're actually and around you see the like world. yeah, and then you see the world exactly. I do a lot of you know what does kinky mean to you when people tell me, especially in vanilla settings like Tinder, yeah. when they go like and I can, and hair. I'm really kinky yeah. like well it means I like it rough in bed like okay so are we talking like interrogation are we talking full on bondage like, like <laughs> do you want me to go like do I get to make you bleed like no I just meant smacking your ass like okay so you identify kinky as anything other than missionary sex right. i identify yeah. kinky as this person is completely destroyed as a human being and i get off on that so right. <laughs> okay all right our next question comes from uh one of our patreon supporters sydney in oxford uk and sydney's question is how do you think people's views on polyamory have changed in the last decade how better understood do you think it is well, sydney put down your fosters and take that shrimp off the barbie <laughs> that's not australia <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's australia. no sydney's in australia no, he's in Oxford. <laughs> Was he visiting? Because Sydney's in Australia. Sydney it's, is his it's name. It's the capital of Australia. Sydney's his name. Is it the I don't know if it's Sydney the lives in Oxford. Oh. Good friend of mine, Sydney. Lost? Mad love to you, Sydney. I love you. Anyway, moving on. Uh, well, so what did we say? The last 10 years? Was that the question? Yeah, the last 10 years. How do we think? There's an awareness of it. Like, it's a there's a mainstream awareness of alternative relationship models that didn't exist other than polygamy as a weird thing that some not orthodox mormon fundamentalist mormons is that is that the way i don't know like i think 10 years ago the only mainstream awareness of multiple person relationships was you know there there are sects of fundamentalist mormons who still practice polygamy but it has become common and known i have to have less explanatory conversations with people about about exactly what it is we do. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that in this is I am I'm not an expert on the history of polyamory. I am only an expert in my experience. So, I think that I have seen that in queer culture, polyamory has been more in the conversation for a while, but in the past decade, I have seen it cross into more mainstream media mm -hmm. things. I, I recall, I can't think of the name of the movie, but there's a movie where there, it's an action movie where there are three people. It's a woman and two guys, and they are in a polyamory, polyamorous relationship. And it's just an action movie, and the whole movie is about like her getting kidnapped and them saving her or something Die like hard. that. It's not Die Hard. <laughs> It's not Die Hard, but it's but it, it's something that came out. I don't know in the die later O's. Um, <laughs> it's actually Rocky Four. So <laughs> no, I knew that movie. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's where I think it comes from. But I think how understood it is. I don't know, Hannah. How do you, how understood do you think polyamory is right now in general culture out oh. in the world? You have the most contact <laughs> with vanilla culture. Oh, okay. So I was going to say, well, I wasn't really involved with polyamory ten years ago, so I don't know. Well, how to but right today, like, how understood do you, is it versus when you first came into the scene? It's been interesting for just to hear like the language around relationships develop, and it's not all positive, but it's definitely more open to the fact people do things differently and we're just sort of figuring out language around that mm -hmm. i remember do you remember when anna paquin was in the news because yes. she came out as bisexual that yes. wasn't that many years no. ago and it was a huge deal that she then got married to a man right, right? because it was like but but the she's also attracted say. to women like, oh, no, and she'll always need both how can you be faithful to a marriage and that was like yeah. this huge like Ooh, entertainment that's a fraught news crisis 
that's the kind of thing that I feel like we've kind of moved beyond, right? Like we've developed better language yeah. to say like relationship styles are different from attractions and different, you know, we make choices yeah. about those. And we have a lot things. more language, I think. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, in your episode where you told us your polyam origin story, hashtag polyam origin, you mentioned that before meeting me, polyamory wasn't really something that you thought was possible and that you weren't really aware of it as just a cultural thing that was happening. Correct. So now that you've been in this relationship with me, it'll be two years in October, mm. and you've seen a lot of different polyamorous stuff, and you're more aware of it. So it's sort of like when you buy a new car, you start and seeing you that start car seeing everywhere. That model yeah. <laughs> so, everywhere. So yeah. What's there's your... a whole lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other words, it was something that wasn't at all on my radar, and so now that it is, now I see how it was already there, and I just really wasn't seeing it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in that short amount of time that I've kind of brought myself up to now with it, it mm-hmm. seems like everybody else is as well and it is something that is more talked about it, it, it talked about in a way that it wasn't something that was already talked about that i didn't recognize it for what it is it's no these are people that are talking about poly thing gotcha it is much more normal now however i don't know that it's very much understood because in talking to people that are not poly and my other friendships and people that uh, are more or less vanilla and asking me about poly they very much still have the wait a minute how does that work you know what oh, how does that work i hate that question so much <laughs> well <laughs> how do you wake up in the morning how does that work <laughs> <laughs> why, are, why are boobs good why, is the why good? are boobs good <laughs> boobs just are um when i was in, when i was in college i was sitting in my dorm room with my roommate and the guy that she was dating at the time and we were having a conversation about boobs and i said why do guys like boobs and he said because they feel nice and they smell nice and they taste nice and i think that's as much explanation that i need about boobs being good as as possible oh and they look nice of course anyway um okay last question this is a question from chris in virginia who is your polyamory relationship role model? Well, put most simply, uh, for me anyway, is, is you, Justin, because that was what brought me Aww. into it. And I, I mean, don't, don't get all big headed about it. I didn't <laughs> have any other ones. So for lack of other resources, it defaults to I'm your relationship model? In, in a joking sense, yes. Oh, what about in a serious sense? Well, it's... Kind of, you've, you've shepherded me, shepherded me into all of this. You allow me to shepherd you. You like you like me shepherding Consensual you. shepherding. It's consensual shepherding. I didn't say that I was kicking and screaming against it. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, what about you? Like, <laughs> do you have, have you had role models coming along or relationship models that you've seen that you've gone like, if I could just have that, my yeah, life would be perfect. I think I mentioned just in passing when we were talking about origin stories mm-hmm. that I read The Art of Asking at the same time that I was discovering what polyam was amanda palmer's relationship i know nothing about you know the details of how their life works right now i just follow (laughs) the social media accounts but she was pretty open in her book about you know this spirit of like giving and sharing and open-heartedness and being open to experiences that are risky and really rewarding Mm -hmm. was having an open relationship with a husband yeah in the context of like them having a child together so and here's, sort of here's an amazing thing that i like that you did just now you mm-hmm. talked about amanda palmer and you talked about her having a husband but you didn't go like well it's neil gaiman's wife well, so everybody knows <laughs> is that how people know her as neil gaiman's wife i don't know because her. i was i know her from the, the ukulele <laughs> i know her from the ukulele anthem but i know her individually and i know that she's also pretty divisive there are people who love her and sure. people who hate her well absolutely there are people who love and hate neil gaiman i mean I think that's that, true yeah that could be said of anybody. But, and yeah. there are people who stalk neil gaiman's like Instagram account and they're like 
do you know how lucky you are to be married to the best person on the planet? Yeah. And it's really obnoxious. Yeah. But- uh, I really enjoyed Amanda Palmer's tech- TED Talk about um, sort of her couch surfing experience mm-hmm. and giving back. That was very impactful for me because I I enjoy opening our home up to people. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's but a, the spirit of that here being like, what if we trusted each other? What if we trusted each and, other? And let things so work powerful. out. Um, yeah. That has mm-hmm. been a role model for me. Yeah. Max, what about you? Uh, I don't have like a, a celebrity one. Actually, I, I don't even local? really, I don't even anybody. really have a role model. It's just that there are people that we see in our, and I'm obviously not going to call anybody out by name, but there mm-hmm. are people that we see and little, little polycules that we see in our, our local circle mm-hmm. that I go like, yeah, they seem to have it figured out. Like they seem to be working out, you know, pretty well. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of drop these vague mentions from time to time in the conversations that we've had here about having been to 12 step meetings and things. And one of the things that they talk about is to find somebody who's got what you want and then yeah. figure out how to get what there. it is that they're doing right. Right. And so uh, I think about that kind of language and I see those relationships. I'm like, okay, so what have those people figured out? Like, what are they doing right mm-hmm. that I can try to, which is what a role model is. So I'm being redundant, <laughs> I guess, but how can I figure out what they, what they're doing right and the, the choices that they're making to improve my relationships? Yeah. For me, I have had people that I have not idolized so much as been fascinated by. Mm-hmm. When I'm fascinated by somebody, I try to learn as much as possible about them as possible sort of like a collecting thing i want to collect all the data and so what i what i have learned is that if a relationship model looks like a healthy thing that i want typically it's because that's how it's being portrayed externally to other people but the inside a relationship you can never know what's going on so for me i think that there are healthy models and best practices in things like communication and managing your own anxiety and which is going to be our you know sixth episode i think we're talking about anxiety because we're recording that today so i think that for me that it's more about about people that it doesn't have anything to do with polyamory. I more so see people that they seem to have their shit together. Mm-hmm. They seem to be grown-ups who are having healthy relationships. They aren't perfect relationships, and that's something that I've always struggled with. And now I think I am one of those people. I think I do. I am a grown-up, and I do have mostly healthy relationships, mostly. I still make mistakes. We still make mistakes. But I don't – I've never seen one couple or polycule or thruple or – Frinkle or wrinkle, <laughs> that was this like perfect thing that I wanted to be. I've just seen elements of little things that I wanted for myself and tried to break down how to get those. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So those are the questions that everybody sent in. Thank you so much for sending us some questions. Um, we just wanted to celebrate our launch day. So thank you so much for supporting the podcast. If you'd like to support us further, we do have a Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash podpodcultcast. Cult with a V. Yay. Um, or you can hit us up on our website, which is www.podpodcultcast.com. Still cult with a <laughs> Um, And if you'd like to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook, all of our contact information is on our website. Great. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And we're really looking forward to bringing you more episodes of the Pod Pie Cultcast. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Thank you. We. You've just heard the Pod Pod Cultcast with your hosts, Max, Chasten, Hannah, and Eric. Our theme song is Spencer Blues by Lobo Loco. Our break music is by Gabarino. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast destination. Thanks for listening.